So Hebrews 2, chapter 14, sorry, verse 14 to chapter 3, verse 1. You can find it on page 1202 in the Pew Bible. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest, whom we confess. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Um, I'm going to invite William up now, and let's just pray for him. If you want to reach out your hand, do, um, and let's pray for him as he brings this word. God, we thank you so much for William. We thank you for his wisdom, um, for his love for your word. And we pray, God, that you would be with him as he opens up this passage for us. Would you equip him um, and speak afresh to us, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, uh, Katie. Thank you, Carol. Um, we live just by a, a couple of sports pitches, and it can be amusing uh, to uh, be in our garden and eavesdrop on coaches on the other side of the fence as they channel their inner Jurgen Klopp and speak to a group of four-year-olds as if it were half-time in the Champions League final. Focus is um, one word that regularly floats through the ether. Uh, focus, it's one of the buzzwords of modern sport, isn't it? Focus is what the great players have. Uh, presumably, focus is what the less great players don't have. Focus, says the letter to the Hebrews uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, page 1202. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, that's you and me, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Focus on Jesus. Uh, the writer of Hebrews said virtually the same thing at the beginning of the previous chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard. It's not actually the same Greek verb, but the meaning is clear. Focus. Focus. But this time it isn't a game we're talking about. 
The aim of Hebrews is to get us to focus and to focus on Jesus. Uh, The problem for the people who first received uh, this letter was that someone was trying to persuade them that they needed to broaden their appreciation of religion and incorporate into it some form of Judaism, probably not Orthodox Judaism, but one of the many varieties of spirituality uh, that was doing the rounds in Jewish communities at the time. But, says Hebrews, we all need to focus and focus on Jesus. And when we focus on who Jesus is, as we uh, uh, began to see last week in the first part of chapter 2, what we find as we focus on Jesus is something wonderful. We discover, first of all, that Jesus was flesh and blood at verse 14 of chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. In other words, Jesus was, Jesus is, perfectly human. At verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Jesus is not just another angel or spirit who's wafting around the universe as some contemporary versions of spirituality were claiming no he is flesh and blood fully perfectly human and as we focus on Jesus we also see that he suffered in other words he was perfectly involved in the depths of human experience. Verse 18 of chapter 2, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And his perfect suffering led uh, to the ultimate experience of suffering, to death. Uh, The second half of verse 14 By his death, he's broken the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Uh, We know somehow that suffering is part of our human experience, and yet we agonize as human beings about the mystery of suffering. But here is Jesus, God's own son, who has plumbed the very depths of human suffering, who is perfectly involved in our human mystery, our human experience. And as we focus, we also see Jesus, the high priest and the atonement. Now, these are the Jewish themes which it's all too easy for us who haven't been brought up as I suspect most of us haven't, uh, in that Jewish world, in the Jewish scriptures. Uh, But it's all too easy for us not to uh, see the importance uh, of these themes. And Hebrews uh, will keep on exploring these Jewish themes uh, through the letter. And they make sense when we think of Jesus. Verse 17, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become 
a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. We acknowledge him as our apostle and high priest. Chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, Hebrews is actually constantly using what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, uh, to undermine the dodgy spirituality offered by those who were claiming to be properly Jewish. But in the light of those scriptures themselves, says Hebrews, we see that Jesus is the only one who can stand between human beings and God. He is the great high priest. He alone can do the priest's work of standing between humanity and God. And therefore, he's the only one who can offer uh, the once-for-all sacrifice that atones for human sin. Uh, In the, the, the Jewish world, the high priest's job was to sacrifice Uh, to offer a sacrifice every year on the Day of Atonement to deal with the nation's sin. But having done that, he of course had to do it again the next year and the next year and the next year. Jesus made the one sacrifice that deals with all human sin for all time. And therefore he puts us at one with God he's perfectly human perfectly involved and perfectly sacrificed and his sacrifice is not just an awful death it's also a wonderful victory back to verse 14 by his death he's broken the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil Uh, Jesus has destroyed the power of our greatest enemy, the power of death. He's entered right into death's stronghold and defeated it. He is perfectly victorious. Focus on this Jesus, perfectly human, involved, sacrificed, victorious, perfectly And as we focus on this Jesus, this perfect Jesus, we'll discover what he means for us. Uh, We discover two things in particular, says Hebrews. We discover, first of all, that we're set free. Uh, Verse 14 again. By his death, he's broken the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And he's freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Um, Sociological research amongst the elderly in the UK uh, suggests that an almost universal emotion in older people is the emotion of regret. Uh, So get yourselves ready. Um, We were told that on our pre-retirement course, very encouraging. People end up their lives in large measure in our country with regret. Regret for what they've done, regret for what they've failed to do. 
at the end of their lives, British people feel guilty. And so death is a fearful thing. But focus on Jesus, says Hebrews, and your regret, your guilt is swallowed up in the wonder of Jesus and his perfection. We're set free. And as we focus on Jesus, the second thing we discover is that we are supported. Verse 16. Uh, For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. In other words, us human beings. And verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Uh, Jesus is alongside us to help us through life. And he can do so because he's experienced human life perfectly. But he's also overcome the negatives of human life perfectly. Um, We were watching the program Reported Missing the other day. If you don't want a harrowing hour, don't watch the program. But anyway. Uh, And in one episode, a a teenager described his experience of going missing uh, for 13 dreadful hours. Dreadful for his mother at any rate. Uh, Of course, he didn't go missing. He went to Manchester, but that's roughly the same thing. (laughs) But he disappeared, he said, because he felt no one cared for him. And then he discovered that hundreds of people cared for him because they were all out looking for him. And it really changed his perspective on life. We are supported. There is always someone who cares for us. And ultimately that is Jesus. Focus on him. As the old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Focus on him. And we know how to do that, don't we? We do it by paying attention to Jesus in prayer, in regular Bible study, by being with other Christians and learning from them, by meditating on Jesus, by making sure we bring all our daily life to Jesus. But that is not to say that a life focused on Jesus is some sort of life locked away in a, in a contemplative community. Uh, in a monastery of some sort. Uh, Jesus is Lord over all life. Uh, There was a time in the Middle Ages when the church reached a place of implying that you couldn't be a real disciple of Jesus unless you led a fully religious life, the life of a religious community. But then came the Reformation and blew that falsehood out of the water. God wants us to live with him in this world and we can submit and entrust our home, our family, our work, our leisure, our community to Jesus. We can focus all things on him because he is perfect. He has set us free. He does support us every moment of every day. Focus on this Jesus. Uh, But what's the problem? 
This is a sermon after all, so there has to be a problem. Well, the problem doesn't lie with Jesus, of course. It lies with us. We're the problem. And our problem in this country, I suspect, is that as British Christians, we want to focus on Jesus, but we want to look another way at the same time and focus on our comfortable lifestyle. But can you look, can you focus in two directions at once? Uh, If you've read Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, and if you haven't, do start. Uh, Anyway, if you've read it, you may have encountered, you uh, you may remember the character of Mr. Byens. Mr. Byens is deeply religious, but he's also keen to preserve his comfortable and fine lifestyle. My great-grandfather was but a waterman, he explains, rowing one way and looking another. And I got most of my estate by the same occupation. Uh, Bunyan doesn't waste too much time on Mr. Byens. He is not allowed to join the pilgrims on their journey. So where's our focus? On Jesus, the perfectly human, perfectly involved, perfectly sacrificed, perfectly victorious Jesus? Or are we rowing one way and looking another? I'm sure that most of us here have, of course, begun to focus on Jesus or we wouldn't be here. And we're discovering more and more that he sets us free from the fear of death and supports us through all the changing scenes of life. But is there something in Mr. Byens in us as well? Rowing one way and looking another. I certainly enjoy my comfortable lifestyle. And I end up trying to look in two directions at once. What would Bunyan say to me and to us? Would he allow us to join his pilgrims? Focus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face.